0: The message version of what Debbie just read is a little bit more plain, more everyday language, but it doesn't lose anything at all in the translation. It says When crowds of people came out for baptism because it was the popular thing to do, John exploded brood of snakes what do you think you're doing slithering down here to the river do you think a little water on your snake skins is going to deflect God's judgment it's your life that must change not your skin and don't think you can pull rank by claiming Abraham as father Being a child of Abraham is neither here nor there. Children of Abraham are a dime a dozen. God can make children from stones if he wants. What counts is your life. Is it green and blossoming? Because if it's dead wood, it goes on the fire. The crowd asked him, then what are we supposed to do? If you have two coats, give one away, he said. Do the same with your food. Taxmen also came to be baptized and said, Teacher, what should we do? And he told them, No more extortion. Collect only what is required by law. And soldiers asked him, What should we do? And he told them, No shakedowns, no blackmail. Be content with your rations. The interest of the people by now was building. They were all beginning to wonder, could this John be the Messiah? But John intervened, I'm baptizing you here in the river. The main character in this drama, to whom I'm a mere stagehand, will ignite the kingdom life of fire, the Holy Spirit within you, changing you from the inside out. He's going to clean house, make a clean sweep of your lives. He'll place everything true in its proper place before God. Everything false, he'll put out with the trash to be burned. Here we are on the third Sunday of Advent, 11 short days from Christmas Eve. And I wonder, is your schedule full? Is your shopping complete? see a lot of no's. Are you preparing your home for guests? Are you getting ready to travel or visit with family and friends? It's a busy time. It's a happy time. I know we just spent yesterday in uh, Beaumont at my sister's farm with... All of my kids and their kids and my brother and sister, my mother. And it was a joyous time. Was it, was it a joyous time? Oh, <laughs> it was a joyous time. <laughs> this is a joyous season of expectation. It's, it's a time of hope. And I look at all of our grandkids and I see such a bright future. For John the Baptist, that was a time of the advent of Christ into the world of humanity. Coming into the world at a time when humanity had lost its way and there was a desperate need for a Savior. And some were, in fact, looking for the Messiah, but they were looking in all the wrong places. I think there's a song in there somewhere. 2,000 years later and not much has changed with the state of humanity. We are still in desperate need of a Savior. Many are searching and now, like then, most are looking in all the wrong places. Those of us who know Jesus personally, those of us who have him in our hearts, are blessed to see the real joy of this Advent season. The hope promised to us in the gospel message. And when we hear this, this verse from John, we don't often think of the baby in the manger. But this is what this verse Means. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. See, in the time of John the Baptist, the message of the coming of Christ was good news to many, but not so good news to others. Depending on which side of the righteousness you found yourself John's message was in no way sugar coated you brood of vipers was the greeting that he gave to those who showed up on the shores of the Jordan because baptism had become a fad it was the in thing to do kind of like the ice bucket challenge of the day started out with good intentions and to be a righteous cause and then mushroomed into something much, much less. See, John's life was simple and countercultural. He was radically different in his lifestyle and in the way he dressed, and he chose to live his life in righteous opposition to the corruption of the world. His message was also countercultural, as he proclaimed that something very new and very different was about to break into the fallen world in such a magnificent way that the world would be forever changed. John was not quiet and gentle in his delivery of the message. In fact, he was brutally honest His message was both a promise and a warning. I will baptize you with water, but He will baptize you with fire and the Holy Spirit. What does fire do? It consumes. It purifies. It burns up the dry and the dead, reducing it to ash. See, the idea of the coming Messiah was both wonderful and terrifying, depending on your perspective. John's prophetic words are troubling and harsh, and they carry the weight of conviction, tearing the hearts of people and exposing whatever is inside, the way the light of truth always does. See, many of the Jewish people in John's day had a fatal flaw in their characters. They believed themselves to be untouchable, bulletproof, irreplaceable in God's plan, and therefore somehow exempt from the need for a Savior. We are the children of Abraham, they would say. But John had a response for them that cut them down to size. He would say, I tell you, God is able to make children of Abraham from rocks. Don't think you're special, he would say. Don't think your lineage makes you a protected class. It doesn't. What counts is how you live your life, what counts is where you place your faith. What counts is what you believe and in whom you believe. And the thing is, John's message is just as valid for us today, right now. Just as valid as it was right then. It applies to us whether we choose to receive it or not. So if John's message is of such a nature, That of a warning and conviction. Why does the scripture call it good news? Brood of vipers. That doesn't sound like the preamble to good news to me. But the good news is. For any who might be on the fence about Jesus. And I realize I'm preaching to the choir here. For any who might be on the fence about Jesus. I I want the words I speak now to be as plain as the nose on my face. The love of Jesus is calling you right now. God's grace and mercy are being extended to you at this very moment. Time is short. So don't stay on the fence too long. Jesus is coming soon is John's message for us. You see, what we sometimes forget as we gaze at the manger scene out front is that the babe in the crib is really a lion cub. When he comes, again, in great power and glory next time, he will sort out the people into two groups, Christ followers and everyone else. And at that point, all of our earthly arguments for tolerance, diversity, universalism, inclusion, all of those lofty words we like to use, all of those earthly arguments will be null and void. For those who insist on perpetuating the lie that there is no absolute truth, And that all religions are equal and the same. And that everyone can find their own way to heaven on their own terms. For all of those, it will be game over. You see, there is joy in Christmas. But for the undecided, there needs to be a word of conviction also. Because the first advent, you've heard me say, is all about the second advent. This is preparation time. Jesus' message was about getting ready. Heed the passage from Matthew 25. Carefully consider that our pride and our false humanistic senses of justice and equality and all of those things that the world says are right are worthless rags to the holy righteousness of God. It's an inconvenient truth, but it is truth nonetheless. Matthew 25 says this, When he finally arrives, blazing in beauty and all his angels with him, the Son of Man will take his place on his glorious throne. Then all the nations will be arranged before him and he will sort the people out. Much as a shepherd sorts out sheep and goats, putting sheep to his right and goats to his left, then the king will say to those on his right, enter You who are blessed by my Father, take what's coming to you in this kingdom. It's been ready for you since the world's foundation. And here's why I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was homeless and you gave me a room. I was shivering and you gave me clothes. I was sick. And you stopped to visit. I was in prison. And you came to me. Then those sheep are going to say, Master, what are you talking about? When did we ever see you hungry and feed you thirsty and give you a drink? And when did we ever see you sick or in prison and come to you? Then the king will say, I'm telling the solemn truth. Whenever you did one of these things to someone overlooked or ignored, that was me. You did it to me. Then he'll turn to the goats. The ones on his left and say, get out worthless goats. You're good for nothing but the fires of hell. And why? Because I was hungry, and you gave me no meal. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was homeless, and you gave me no bed. I was shivering, and you gave me no clothes. Sick and in prison, and you never visited. Then those goats are going to say, Master, what are you talking about? When did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or homeless or shivering or sick or in prison and didn't help? And he answered them, I'm telling the solemn truth. You see, it's the same truth. I'm telling the solemn truth. Whenever you failed to do one of these things to someone who was being overlooked or ignored, that was me. You failed to do it to me then those goats will be herded to their eternal doom, but the sheep to their eternal reward. And I'm here to implore you, be a sheep, not a goat. Choose Jesus. See, church, the good news is that despite the bad news of our brokenness, despite our sin, despite the purifying, all-consuming fire of God's wrath and judgment, which is surely coming with the second advent of our Lord. God's good news is greater. God's good news is mercy. God's good news is grace. God's good news is hope and light and peace. See, the thing about bad news is that bad news makes the good news all the much sweeter. Like darkness makes the light all the more bright. The seriousness of our sin and sickness that John the Baptist was talking about the seriousness of our sin and sickness make the glory of our redemption and our hope all the more glorious. And the good news is that as long as we are breathing, as long as our heart is still beating, we can choose the good news. We can choose the light. We can choose Jesus. Jesus.